Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey now, all you cool cats and kittens. It's time for another episode of Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson. Since you over to Jason Rugard, he's got a rundown for us. I'll tell you who's directly responsible. <laughs> Carol fucking Baskin. The name that's on everyone's lips across America right now. The most, possibly the biggest villain in the country outside of coronavirus is uh, Carol Baskin. Would you say? Which is insane. Do you think that because this... the he- the heroes of that story were all villains? Yeah, I know exactly. No one's hands are clean in that uh, Tiger King stuff we're talking about, obviously. And I'm sure the name Carol Baskin is very familiar to you. the The memes have been just priceless through this. I mean, the internet wins again. It's undefeated uh, for comedy and cleverness when it comes to this shit. But who'd have thought? Like they made this documentary, and now everybody has all the time in the world, and we can watch this and stream it. In its entirety of seven hours, would you have ever dedicated seven hours of your life at one time or chopped up to watching a documentary about tigers if it wasn't for the quarantine? Yeah, probably not. I don't think I would have watched this if I wasn't uh, completely bored out of my mind, right? Right. Yeah, that's what I say, too, because it's this the filmmaking isn't particularly good, right? They tell you as they're making the documentary, it started off as this there then became this own thing with with this guy having this exotic animal in his van and then it goes off in this other direction and then there's the discovery of the carol baskin angle and then that just leads into a pandora's box right i think it says you know there are for the documentaries for me personally that are really good um you know you're talking like american movie king of kong they're good because of the characters right and so this definitely has that it has uh these guys are definitely characters I'm glad you reminded me of The King of Kong because that's a great video game documentary that is about a lot more than that. And it's kind of a lot of those elements from that documentary were taken and fictionalized and in, in, in morphed into something else in Pixels. Because wasn't Pixels kind of about that as well? Yeah, it's ever- kind of the same the same type of a deal about people who play older video games and try to get high scores, right? Or I guess world records, really. The quote-unquote villain of the King of Kong is one of my favorite human beings ever. I mean, that guy is such a lecherous piece of shit. Billy Kahn, I think is his name. You know, the guy who had the 1980s Right, Billy mullet. Mitchell. Billy Mitchell, that did son you, of a did, bitch. Did you ever buy his, uh, his hot sauce? Isn't that what he sold? Didn't he sell hot sauce? I, I, he looks like a guy who was trying to sell his stereo equipment. In 2010, I mean, I agree. Yeah, he looks like a magician. Oh, he does from the, from the 80s. Oh my God! Why did these? He looks. He oh, he should probably have his own cult. Regardless, if you haven't seen the King of Kong, great, great documentary out well, there. When he's Another, come out, you, and of course, he's been shamed now because he's a cheater. Yeah, they 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 proved he's a cheater that, recently. Yeah. So oh, his life, crazy. his identity has been taken from him. And he's very venomous now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If you like Lion, uh, Lion King, God, no, whatever. Tiger King. Yeah, I would recommend King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters. Great, do- Another great documentary. And of course, American Movie, which I think is a great documentary too. And very similar. Mm-hmm. Weird, yeah. weird people. Strange characters. Uh, only in Made in America type people. Like these kind of stories could only happen 
in America with these eccentric people going against type and uh, at the same time playing into their own stereotypes. Uh, so American Movie and The King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters. We both recommend highly to continue your documentary binge-watching. But we got a lot of new <laughs> movies to talk about tonight, uh, courtesy of you. You've been on a mad uh, purchasing spree of a lot of the latest titles available, and I have been nothing but grateful because I'm trying to catch up with you and watch a lot of these movies. And the one I want to talk about right off the bat is the Vin Diesel star Bloodshot, a movie that was in cinemas just a month ago and didn't do too well because of a shortened run at the box office with the quarantine and the coronavirus uh, implications mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. This is a movie I was kind of putting off watching because, to me, it's the last movie available that I kind of wanted to see, you know, that I would have gone to the theater yeah. and saw. I know it's not going to be great entertainment going into it. I enjoyed this movie, but to be honest with you, I thought I would like it a little bit more. Yep. Is that how you felt about it, too? Okay, <laughs> I mean, that's essentially the boat you're in with this, right? It is It is a shitty action movie. You know what it is. It's a Vin Diesel sci-fi crap. Um, I still enjoyed it. You know, I still like, I liked the movie, but it, there's a lot left uh, to be desired from these, mm. I guess, in general. Like I didn't really get into the characters enough. Um, I, I loved how simple it was. I did actually like that, that it doesn't try to go off on any great tangent. It doesn't try to do anything ridiculous, right? It's just very straightforward. This is what it is. But in the middle, in there, it gets a little boring. It gets a little monotonous. Soggy. Yeah. And, and it's all been, we've seen literally all of this before. From the opening glossy scene in some sort of foreign soil and the, a soldier's doing something and going against orders. And somehow he's not in trouble for that He because he got the bad guy. I thought that opening sequence was kind of <laughs> slick when he got the guy to point to the phone with the gun and he shoots him. But the real... Uh, live wire in this movie is Toby Kebble. Is it Kettle? Kebble? The guy who plays the villain here? Yeah, Kebble. I like that actor. That guy is a strong actor and given the right material. And even with shit material here, he does something with it. He's uh, a live presence in the movie, but everyone else is kind of sleepwalking. Oh, through I this. had, yeah, I, did, I had wished. Um, actually, I did like what they did with Guy Pierce. I actually thought that uh, going from the trailer. Um, into actually watching the movie, they didn't give as much away as I thought they they had in the trailer, to be honest with you. Not that there's a lot to give away anyhow. It's pretty straightforward, as I said before, but I do wish that um, we had gotten more of a... I guess I just wish things would be a little bit different here and there. Like I'd wish this had been more like a Suicide Squad type thing with these characters. Instead of having them you know, trick him... And then they're obviously the bad guys, and he's so stupid at this point that he just goes along with it, so blind with rage. And that's the entire movie. It's not just the basis of the movie; like that is the entire movie. So it's a little. It's, I, I wish that they had done something where they could have worked in the other characters a little more, because as you're saying, I I liked the 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 bad guys as well. Him and I even liked the, how they played off each other. Him and. Um, the other guy, when they were chasing, when they had that chase scene where they were actually going after Vin Diesel. That was a good sequence. Uh, it was fantastic. And I was like, oh, and I'm kind of clicking with these bad guy characters. Now, I wish that they had done a little bit more with them. And I like the way they're playing off each other. And even when he winds up killing them and stuff, it kind of feels like, oh, like something was achieved there. He actually did beat someone. It was a small movie, I think, is an approach. You're calling it straightforward and simple. It's a small world that they're dealing with here. It goes from A to B, very uncomplicated. 
I, it's amazing to me that Diesel is able to get these movies greenlit because anything outside of Fast, he struggles with. Even if it's a, somewhat of a franchise, quote-unquote, like Triple X or the Riddick movies, those are still not home runs. So anything outside of those three franchises, with the Fast and Furious included in that, mm-hmm. he has trouble with. And I rewatched The Last Witch Hunter. It's available free right now on Tubi because why not? We have all the time in the world. And compare, I watched that before I saw Bloodshot, which somewhat did a disservice to Bloodshot because The Last Witch Hunter is a bigger movie that actually has a lot grander ambitions for the world building it's doing. And uh-huh. when I saw this, I thought, well, here we go with the Robocop ripoff and the soldier and the man on fire type thing. And I just, I, I, I guess I just, it got so perfunctory. I, I just thought, we're going through the paces here. And then they leave it open where you could possibly go with sequels here or like a franchise builder. And I I don't think that's happening. It just doesn't reach. It doesn't go exactly in the direction and reach the heights that you kind of had hoped for, you know, and even, and and those aren't lofty heights that we're talking about here. It just doesn't really, it just doesn't quite go there, you know, but I I thought it was good enough uh, to watch. I enjoyed it. And in fact, um, you know, years down the line, I'd be happy enough to revisit this. Do you understand though about Last Witch Hunter in compared to this, where that had yeah, a bigger world? Yeah, I really love Last like- Witch Hunter, and I, I know it's a it's a much more interesting story. I think that 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 movie has other problems. Bloodshot doesn't have the problems that that movie has because it doesn't attempt to do things. You know, like Chronicles of Riddick and shit like that. Like the other movies that overreaching that he's yeah. done. Right, this movie doesn't have that, but it also then doesn't take that shot. Yeah, it's to, very safe to, to in get a lot something of ways. more. You know. And so while Last Witch Hunter does, I think at times it's a bit overtrodden, like it, it kind of is a, like we're trying to do too much here a little bit, um, you know, not as bad as Babylon AD, but still um, maybe we're trying a little too hard, but it at least uh, delivers on, on the majority of what it tries to do. I, I Babylon AD is outright disastrous. The Last Witch Hunter is a guilty pleasure. This lies somewhere between the two, but closer to the guilty pleasure range, as far as I'm concerned. Let's talk briefly here about Birds of Prey, the quasi-semi-sequel to Suicide Squad, bringing back Harley Quinn, uh, Margaret Robbie in the starring role here. This is a movie that was also out in February, a box office run that was deemed underwhelming, I guess, by a, a lot of pundits and... Now we have it for our disposal and to watch, and I don't really know what to make of this movie in a lot of ways. I feel mm-hmm. like they totally over—I don't want to say oversexed it up because it has nothing to do with sex, but like they—they they made it R for the reason they could, and it's a strange reason because for so many years they made franchises we love PG thirteen to squeeze every last dollar out of them, like Die Hard and things mm-hmm. like that. And so now we have the reverse happening, and this is a movie that could fit squarely into that PG-13 range. I know. And would have hit its target audience and maybe wouldn't have felt like they were... I just felt like they... Not trying too hard. That's not the right verbiage, but that it was no, almost like... No, I think like, it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, we could... Look at us being well, so cool I'll that say, we can do this. I think that you disliked this more than I did just from our text messaging, um, but... For me, this is, is the same deal with Bloodshot. You know, I felt like I get what you're going for. I understand maybe why you did it, but I just really wish you went in a different direction. Like this is not necessarily a story worth telling, and I don't really care about what's going on. I like the characters. I like all the characters. Great. 
give them something better to do. Give them, they have nothing to do in this. I mean, I didn't realize how much the, the tag in this, you know, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn actually played into it. That's the entire, that's the movie. That's what it is. Well, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch her break up with the Joker and then what have to deal with things on her own. And there's, she's pissed people off and there's a bad guy after her. And that's the whole movie. That's all she does. I don't know, but I did like, I, I liked the, the I, I can't really say execution of the story, but I like the execution of the characters. I like that Harley Quinn is bad in this. She's always bad. She's never good. She does good things, but she's never really, she's not a good person, you know? Um, so they stick to certain things. They don't fall into the trap of the, the Charlie's angels fell into, you I know, women, you women, bad yeah. men, good. They don't do that. Right. Uh, Cause in this, you have women and men and they're both good and bad and they both, you know, crash together and, and shit happens, you know? Um, but it's still a woman power movie. Uh, it, I think anyways, obviously uh, most of the, the, this group here is all women that are fighting off this, this one uh, bad guy. So that stuff still exists here, but it's, it's definitely executed much better than, than uh, things we've seen in the past. So I'd have to disagree with most of the, of the men out there who are saying that this movie failed because it was, uh, I don't even know what you call it. SJW nonsense, whatever the hell no, quote unquote woke. Any of that shit is woke. There you go. Yeah. That's the word most people use. I don't think this is a woke movie. This to me is a normal movie. I just don't think the storyline is that interesting. Yeah, I agree with you 100% in your evaluation there. Uh, it's If it's a woke movie, let's say, I found it way more palatable than Charlie's Angels, uh, Terminator Dark Fate, even Countdown, which we'll talk about later in the show, uh, has a bit of that in it. Mm-hmm. This is, to me, uh, just, it's a near miss in the fact that I liked the style. The style, to me, was very good. It looked how it was supposed to look. The choreography and some of the scenes was nicely done. Did you like the, the bouncing uh, around? Uh, what do you, what do you mean from, what are you talking about? I mean, just the, the bouncing around of the storyline. I didn't mind the underlying story that now that she was free from the Joker, I thought it hurt the first act that her behavior wasn't okay. You know, at this whole time, even though she thought she was getting away with it all, that there was actually going to be some sort of right. retribution. But then that became so comical and I didn't understand why the, the chauffeur girl then was going to turn around and, not help. I don't know. It lost its way about forty-five minutes in, and at that point, you can see all the gears of the of the plot grinding to try to make something of what you have on. Because Margaret Robbie is good; she's good in that role. She can make that. I uh, everyone in this was good, but yeah, I agree. She's obviously the shining star, and that's why I'd kind of wish there was a little more emphasis on her rather than trying to put together another ensemble movie. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Because they haven't given her her free movie yet. Even though she's emancipated, she's not in a movie solo yet. They they pair, they pair her up with men in Suicide Squad, and now they paired her up with uh, well, you know, the fellow Birds of Prey. Well, she at the end of this movie. She ditches out. So, yeah. what, so what is this What was now? the point? Yeah, this is exactly. Birds of Prey without Margot Robbie? I don't know. How do we continue this? I don't, you know, and I don't like the idea of... Um, putting this all together and then she's ditching out. So what the next movie is going to be, they got to get her back in. I fuck that guy. Stop. There is no next Stop movie. Stop that shit. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. I think that, uh, there's, there's a squeeze happening obviously right now on movies and, uh, an easy sell might be another Harley Quinn movie. 
starring Margot Robbie. So I don't know. They would have to tone it down from this, and this is already, like we said about Bloodshot, an already simplified, streamlined, fairly small story. I don't know how they could do something that wouldn't just be, unless you take it fairly indie, you know, grimy it up a little bit, make it a, a real small production, mm-hmm. uh, give it to Blumhouse, see what they could do with it. Huh, that would be interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the, uh, really the only novel way they could go with this material at this point. Okay, next we have Bad Boys 3, which I gave my review for earlier in the year, and you just caught up with recently, um, briefly rundown. I said it was good enough to be a good time at the movies. I didn't particularly like the secondary crew being brought in. I felt that there was some Fast and Furious type influences going on with the whole family aspect, but I did like the nods to the previous films, and I thought that it kind of reminded me of Lethal Weapon 3 or 4, those kind of movies. What would you think? Yeah, uh, so I like the secondary crew stuff that they did. Um, I kind of had wished that, um, again, that this had more of a plot to it, something more for them to do. But I do really think that this plays well into the other two movies as far as uh, you're not going to know that this (laughs) like wasn't made way back, you know, what 10 15 years ago well even with the um, nods of reggie feels, and michael bay or you know those kind of like little it little feels moments. like it just fits right into that universe like it's kind of like a perfectly uh um i want to say ape because it is exactly what it should like it's not it, it is a bad boys movie you know but and that's what it feels like it feels like they never missed a beat you know they're right back into it and will smith martin lawrence and everything's good and it works but it is a little pointless and I hate the twist. I hate the son thing. Yeah, uh, I agree. It doesn't, it should not have given him a son. What they needed to do was give him an, a good bad guy to, to go up against and made this, uh, again, I, I love the shootouts. I, I needed more, more shootouts, more, make the action bigger, make the jokes go and uh, bring me back. Don't bring me to the end and then say, moving forward. No, 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 no. Put me before the end and let's keep going forward. You know, let's, let's, keep making bad boys movies this felt I like an indie almost that i felt like that tacked on uh mid-credit sequence where he visits the sun yeah. and shows him the picture i thought here now we're in fast and furious territory and like i said the whole thing about family uh, i did like that martin lawrence's character openly cared for will smith's character and it i mean lawrence is is very good in this and smith does smith like he always has. Well, the comedy is uh, good too. I mean, I love it is. when he shows up with the van and, you know, at first I hated that they were going to be apart, but then the way they got them back together to add that comedy in, I thought, Oh, this is working. I even, I loved when the throwaway bits, there's a line in there when they're going to do a foot race before the big shootout. Sequence. Yeah. And he says, you know, I got 10 on Marcus. I got 20 on, on him. And, and then Joe Pantaleone says, I got 10 on a torn ACL. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a great little uh, aside there. So this was a big hit with audiences, and you can see why, because it is a crowd pleaser. And the st- This is what I thought was pretty impressive to me, is that I don't know these directors' work from previous film, but I thought that they managed to ape Michael Bay's style close enough mm-hmm. to where this felt part of a whole. You know, it didn't it's 100%, feel like a, I know. Yeah, it that's really why I did. say it's almost it's weird to say that because it's not because it is it, this is literally a bad boys movie. So it, it, I don't know what it's stealing from. It's just continuing on since which is I thought was kind of unbelievable. This feels like it it fits in there being uh, 
being so long ago since we had um, any of these. Well, especially because we've had a lot of miss uh, or, or badly executed films that have been trying to tread on that uh-huh. nostalgia, franchise nostalgia. Just recently, like I said, with Terminator Dark Fate, with well, some of the more recent to, Star Wars movies. fights anymore, it feels like. If it almost feels like you want to say, go back to the 90s and early 2000s and watch action movies and make those. So that's well, what I want we, to see. <laughs> we get now what is too much of a good thing in that John Wick type stuff, where it's now gotten and that's great, so overblown. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I don't want to get rid of those because um, those exist back then too, and I and I love those as well. But um, you know, there's nothing like just you know playing cops and robbers in that sense of just having load people up with some guns and have them shoot at each other. Yeah, no, I, this reminded me, like I said, of one of the latter Lethal Weapon films, particularly Part Four, when Chris Rock is the kind of the younger generation coming in which these kids reminded me of, and they're getting older. They don't know if they can do it. It's going to take them both to beat the bad guy's ass. And, you know, I just, I thought, it, well, this is the kind of fun, jokey, nostalgia trip I needed right now. Hmm. I'd agree. All right, let's, let's talk about a movie which I think is a contender for worst of 2019, and that is the god-awful Paul Fagg film, Last Christmas, <laughs> starring Emily Clark and Henry Golding. <gasps> Two big stars in their own right, but have combined to make a movie that inexplicably was written by Kristen Thompson and fucking based off a George Michael song. And it takes its meaning literally, figuratively, metaphorically, every way you can take that fucking song. And it comes up with this movie that is obnoxious from the jump. I didn't like the main character from the start. I didn't find anything amusing or funny in this, and it's so easy to tell that that a certain character is not what, what they appear to be. That you're just waiting for the explanation of where this is all going, and then they get to the, to the scene, the climax. The, the what is when they finally explain to you what is going on. I, I just I, I was so irritated at that point that I just was <laughs> wanted the movie to be over, and then it drags itself on for another twenty fucking yeah, minutes. Right, because that's not the movie. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah i think this is executed pretty uh poorly um uh, i disagree a little bit i don't I really have a problem with this movie i think it, it it is exactly what it's supposed to be it's a crappy christmas movie um i like amelia clark in this um i like uh henry golding in this i actually liked uh, everyone in this and i thought that it actually did a good job of of setting uh, a Christmas time thing, you know, that oh, where you just you didn't have to really on that. pay attention or anything. I'm oh, not reaching on it at all. Come on, if you if you watch any of these uh, types of uh, Christmas movies like this, then you know exactly what this is supposed to be. But uh, if you're expecting this to be some amazing Hollywood uh, movie, then that it is not. I expected this from Paul but, Feig, who did who's done good work in the past. Where were the jokes in this movie? Is this a comedy? What is this movie? Well, it's a I thought comedy, it was... drama, romance thing. You know, I don't. I don't think it's meant to be some straight out comedy. Um, it's meant to uh, be warm. You know, if that makes any sense. And that's the setting of, of what it is. So, the, you know, what the movie does, and it fails miserably, is that you have this main character 
uh, who suffered this huge tragedy and she's, she now doesn't give a shit about life. She takes everything for granted. Right. And then she's going to get over this by through meeting this guy and learning these lessons and being out there. Now she's helping the poor, you know, now she's doing this and that. And, uh, and by the end of it, she's a changed person, but it's so afraid to tackle anything or to, to make anything too sad or, or to explore anything, uh, outside of just that it's Christmas and snowing and she's wearing an elf suit. Uh, that it just fails miserably to create, you know, any emotional content by the end of it. And she doesn't really seem a number one. She just seems like a normal person. Like I wouldn't say there's anything wrong with her at the beginning of this movie. There's nothing to fix. She drinks a little bit. She sleeps around. I don't know. Lots of people do that. Who? No one's like, you know, no, she seems like a good time. She, she's fine. She, she seems like a good time. I mean, she's not ungrounded in any sense, you know, it, to, to me, uh, the, the movie doesn't really push that hard enough. Um, it's there. I, I see where, where, where they try to do it, but um, I don't know. This, this is, this movie's just designed to not ruffle any feathers and to be a real simple, easy watch. And I really, I mean, it, it just should never have been released theatrically. I can't believe that. I just thought that I, this got made. Like, who read the script and said we should make this? The whole subplot with Michelle Yeoh's character, I thought was mm-hmm. uninteresting to to be kind. That's what they and do in movies like this. Then the little twist there about the door not being locked was so yep. not interesting. Once again, that you're sitting there like, why is everybody giving this person all these chances if this if they all feel this way about her because like you said i don't see it coming across that she's uh, the devil incarnate she's not a danger to herself or anybody else she's irresponsible but they're presenting her as young and single but not in the and way that it hurts anyone you know even right, herself it, it just doesn't matter but then the underlying issue of her health isn't affected by her behavior at all so no, why is everybody... that's what I mean. There's no consequences to the way she is now. So what's the point of her changing? Well, there is none, right? If other than just... if this, other than this is a Christmas movie, and you should be good. But that's what I'm saying. If it was just what I said, we were reaching. Like, if it was just a Christmas movie, fine. I could I could see how what it is. But it wants to be this family drama at the same time about these foreigners mm-hmm. and this girl who abandon like who shuns her ethnicity in a sense, uh, and it's. Oh yeah, it's really. Well, misplaced. I've seen enough of these. I've seen enough of these. This goes back, you know. Really, I've seen enough of these from the '90s and the 2000s. There's a there's a there's a channel called Hallmark where you see all this shit, and they do all do the same tricks, right? They all try to pretend like they have these heavy uh, things to them, but realistically, they're just very surface. You know, they're all right there on the surface. None of it's deep at all, but they want you to to think that it is. And I don't know. I. I've had conversations with my mom before my sister about these movies and it's enough, you know, I mean, and that's the trick is that it's enough, but it's not too much. Uh, actually, I mean, it's hardly anything, but it, it's still enough that people get the idea and they move on and no one really gives a shit. And these are just things that kind of blow by you. I mean, on television in the background during a holiday, or if you're wrapping presidents or presents, I get yeah. it. But like when you're when you get the names attached to this material that you have here, and that it says you know from the creators of Love Actually or, or whatever it is, you're like, there's there's kind of a precedent or, yeah. or uh, what you expect going into it, and a certain level of what you expect. And I've seen enough of these Christmas type movies. Think enough. about Dear God. But, but I mean, I've seen. Movie. Did you see the trailer to this before you watched it? 
I didn't know. I okay. Didn't, I I knew that it had something to do with the George Michael song, but I, I just assumed right. with with the with people attached to it that I would be getting. Some if you level see the trailers, you pretty much know what this is. Look, I, I recently they don't watched, do a good job of covering this up. I saw it could happen to you. You ever see that movie, the Nicolas sure. Cage movie? from back in the 90s, sure. Andrew Bergman. Talk about a guy who, like, just like Gary Marshall and, and people like that of that era, Penny Marshall as well, who could make a nothing romantic little dramedy mm-hmm. into something glossy and likable. This movie has none of that charm. And I maybe because I watched those movies clear, fairly close together that I was noticing how charmless Last Christmas was in a lot of ways. And there's no jokes. I just didn't find any of it uh, funny or amusing Particularly not the running gag or her running around in the elf costume. It's, it's you know, or getting shit-faced while she's wearing the elf costume. But uh, I just think that Amelia Clark has a, a knack for picking bad scripts at this point. Because uh, her big screen career has been relegated to Terminator Genesis and Last well, Christmas. I don't know. I've never heard you say really anything good about Amelia Clark. So <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd venture to say you might not like her. I think she's attractive. Yeah, that's not what I asked. <laughs> that's not what I said. <laughs> okay, I like her. I mean, She's on easy screen, on the eyes. you know. I think um, she would be better served in a supporting role. I like her. I think she's uh, good. I, I think she was good enough in this. I don't... Uh, I guess this didn't rub me the wrong way. I didn't have any expectations for this. I saw the trailers. I knew exactly what it was. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just think she's better than this in a lot of ways. What was the, uh, I mean, the thing that this reminds me the most of is like Return to Me. Do you remember that movie? Oh, with David Duchovny? (laughs) David Duchovny and and uh, Mini Driver. Driver. Oh, God. Yeah. There was a slew of of shit just like this, you know, 90s, uh, late 90s, early uh, 2000s. No, there was romantic type movies like that. Autumn in New York with Richard Gere and Winona Ryder. Remember that? Yeah. A lot of these movies take place around Christmas. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Countdown. This was a little uh, horror film that came out at the tail end of last year. Not many people saw it. It's about a killer phone app, an app that you download, and it tells you when you are going to die, and you cannot get out of this. I got to (laughs) say that this movie was better than I expected it to be, given the limitations of the premise. Much like Mm -hmm. Jexy we talked about a couple weeks ago, it's not a great movie. It's not going to wow anybody, but it's not lazy. And they take the premise and they go and explore every angle you probably can with this premise. It also has an extended cameo by Tom Segura, who kind of enlivens the movie a little bit every time he's on screen there as a cell phone guy, uh, owner of a cell cell phone shop. And I just thought altogether, there is a, a, a weird, uh, me too aspect of this with the Peter Facinelli character and she literally tells him time's up motherfucker which I thought was a bit too on the nose <laughs> but uh, given in the, in the moment the movie was working for me I can't really recommend it but if you are in the mood for some popcorn and a, a movie and it's not going to scare you too bad this is totally acceptable for teenagers uh, young teens that uh, there's really nothing scary going on here but um it's it's pretty entertaining. I actually kind of like Countdown. Yes, yeah, so I've seen uh, plenty of reviews on this, especially on YouTube, people tearing this movie apart. Um, to that, I would say, um, do you watch much horror movies? Um, the execution on this is fantabulous. Um, mm-hmm. ju- I just, you know, picture perfect. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong. The way this plays, I love 
the characters. I love the, the dialogue, um, the music, all of it. Yeah, it's PG-13 and it's called Countdown. And so the scares, eh, you know, they're not there. Uh, regardless of that, I still thought this was a, a great final, cheap final destination, oh, destination. type movie, you know? Yeah. And it was fun to watch, uh, quite honestly. So uh, it was fine that it wasn't scary. It was fine that it was uh, PG-13 and stupid. If it had been actually scary and whatnot, the stupidness and the silliness wouldn't have worked. You know, and I think they do work. And you mentioned Tom Segura, and I agree. It's shit like that. You know, it's where he hacks into the cell phone. We gotta, you know, we gotta get the source code. We gotta get the code to the to the app mm-hmm. to figure. It. And he's just like, what the fuck is going on? You know, it's so made up. It's so standard horror nonsense, but it's executed so slickly and so smoothly um, that it just. I don't know. Most of it like doesn't bother me. And you're right. It's incredibly heavy handed on the Me Too stuff. Um, which is fine because the way they present it is actually something that should be heavy. I mean, she gets sexually assaulted at work. Pretty serious, I guess. Uh, but at the same time, she doesn't. I guess she's got countdown app going on. I don't know why she forgets about it. <laughs> Anyhow, she doesn't really pursue it very much. But, you know, regardless of that, um, it didn't bother me. It, it kind of flew by, and, you know, in one ear, out the other. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I thought Black Christmas, um, which you haven't seen yet, is way more heavy-handed on the Me Too stuff um, than this movie was. So, again, as far as wokeness goes, this is probably not that great of an example of a woke movie. But would you recommend it though? If I mean, it's a hard recommendation because there's That's a lot of ifs yeah. on it, you know, because I can't say if you're a horror fan, because what kind of horror fan are you? Um, if you do just love horror movies, I love all horror movies. You like horror movies. Yeah, I recommend it. It's not a bad movie. It fl- it has a flow to it that is that is good. And as I say, it's executed well, you know, it's framed correctly. It looks good. The, the I, I really liked um the the lead actress in this um i thought she was really good and interesting the entire time and like i said i i like those final destination movies um as well and it's kind of fun like that it's a lot cheaper a lot cheaper than those right but it still has that that element of fun to it of are they going to get out like is she going to be able to you know turn this app off and 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 they do up the the ante you know continuously and now her sister gets the app you know her little mm-hmm. sister has and it's a it's, it's uh, it just works, I guess. I don't know. And it's fucking short, man. It's an hour and a half. Not even. It's an hour and twenty minutes. It's got nine minutes of credits. If you go, it's I got swear to God, of it, no nine minutes of credits. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's got like and yeah. I looked at the calendar. It's like an hour and twenty one minutes long. It kind of reminds <laughs> me of something that Miramax would have released in the the mid nineties. Yeah. It, Kind of like the, the dimension label. It's this. It's a sub tier B movie, but it's a fun B movie, and I, I couldn't recommend it. Like I said to, to many people, but for those in the right mind frame at the time, uh, give it a easy. shot. I mean, I liked your recommendation yeah. for teens and stuff. If you're if you're someone that's afraid to watch scary movies, you'll have no problem with this, and you'll probably enjoy it. Or if you got uh, you know young teenagers that like horror movies and want to watch, them, watch this is something yeah. you could watch and and you know you're not gonna they're not gonna have nightmares uh, foreseeably unless they pussies oh god <laughs> okay let's talk about uncut gems this is a movie that I put on my top ten best of 
2019 list. I was really anxiety-ridden the entire time I was watching this movie. I thought it contained a fantastic performance by Adam Sandler. Uh, in the end, though, it it's divisive, and I can see why audiences why? either love it or hate it, but I am on the love it side. Well, why? Why is it divisive? Yes. Because without, uh, let's do a spoiler alert right now, so if you haven't seen this, uh, you know, maybe want to fast forward here it's because <laughs> we don't have to, the don't ending have to, yeah well, i mean okay. well we know the ending we, we can dance around it we don't have to say I mean, what so it is but i think that it's divisive to people because it, it comes out of left field it doesn't particularly end in the way that uh, the people that have the happy ending or the person that has the happy ending maybe isn't the person in the story that deserves the happy ending you know, there's really only one character that makes out well here. That's I don't mission. even know if that's necessarily true. I don't know that anyone deserves that happy ending at the end of this movie. I thought this was... I got bored with this, to be honest with you. Bored? Um, it was all over the place. I didn't feel the the thriller side of this, you know? that I didn't really get a lot of suspense out of this. And that ending was so out of left field and also completely out of control. I don't, I don't understand the point of the movie. It, it seems this, the movie seemed to have kind of a thematic thing where he was constantly screwing up. It was always his screw up, always his screw up. And then in the end he, he wins or whatever. Okay, great. To undo that, they, they bring, they have another character who does his own thing. Suddenly it's his movie. I'm just thinking, what? Why? It just has nothing to do with anything. And it's so happenstance. Like, I don't get how that how that particular incident plays into the rest of the movie. And into him. It just doesn't. The ending's weak. That ending is very weak. I'm going to give you that. Although this, the, the, sequ- the end of it is weak, but the sequence leading up to that I thought was very gripping. Where you don't know where it's going and what's going to happen yeah, and what's on the line. Yeah, that actually does work. I didn't like some of the things going on with the mistress in the movie. But although I did find the sequence at the kids' play midway through was very amusing and almost funny in a way. Um, I, I, but I, you, you didn't think the movie was alive moment to moment when he's making no, bad decision after bad no, decision? No, because I don't even think he was making bad decision after bad decision. You know, that that was one of the things I thought that this movie failed at is that you get brought in after he's made the bad decisions and you're just seeing the, the shit kind of unfold. And there are parts to it, like where he hides in his, his girlfriend's apartment. He's just like, what is going on? Why am I doing this? And she masturbates. They sit there. We sit there for a while, just doing nothing. Yeah, that was that was a and bizarre sequence. That's the whole entire movie, though. When he gets, when his uncle or whatever the guy that he owes money to, that's part of his family, shows up. They put him in the car and the trunk and all this shit, and it just doesn't matter. Like everything the bad that happens to this guy gets into these situations that are serious situations, and there are no consequences. There's well, I mean, none. the ending there's is no consequence. No, but it's not. The nah, ending is the not a consequence. And I, I and there's no way you can write explain that it is because it comes out of left it comes out of left field. It's it's I felt the entire time he, that the, there was danger on the peripheral. That every fucking he was leveraging and yet every this single to do time, that. every single time that he didn't pay back money, that he owes all this shit, that he has all these problems, nothing happens. Nothing bad happens to him. He always starts over, right? It resets. Boom, he's starting over again. I mean, the movie starts and he's already got the girl. He's already fucked up, but nothing bad has happened. And then he decides 
somehow that he wants his old life back. And then he goes on to not do that. I, it's confusing to me. I don't really understand the point of this movie. It, it had, there's no logic to it. I think it's a great technical exercise in a lot of ways. The, the filmmaking style here is alive, like I said, and uh, I think these guys are extremely talented. I don't think they're ever going to make a linear type movie. Did you ever see Good Time, the Robert Pattinson movie they made? Mm, no. A couple years ago. It's very similar in style. It's probably just as nonsensical as this know. in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a shows that these guys are talented. But I mean, I thought Sandler was so interesting to look at in the minute, moment to moment, and especially during that sequence at the family dinner, which is kind of the centerpiece of the movie, right? It's uh, with, with the cousin there, and they, you know, they realize that they're related in the bookie and who he owes monies to. But I see what you're saying. There is <laughs> some very untidy things going on with this movie. The whole thing, I just don't get. I you mean, could cut his, out, his you buddy, could cut out any a lot of moments of this movie, and it's unchanged. I'm not. I'm just not sure what the point of going from A to B, you know, from beginning to end of this movie is. I don't know that I get it, and it doesn't really work for me. I think one problem is uh, so many people talk this up. By the time I saw this damn thing, I, I had expectations up to here, uh, you know, sky high. So, so maybe I had unrealistic expectations when I went into this. And uh, I don't know. If I had seen this cold, um, I may have been a lot more okay with it. Yeah, that happens. I mean, that's fair. That, that happens a lot, especially during Oscar season. Uh, and that's why I think I was so surprised, and I'm sure you were too, at how much we enjoyed uh, Parasite. God. Uh, which actually, did you read that that's the most watched movie on Hulu of all time? Did you see that? I wouldn't it be surprising. Their, it's really good. record. Yeah, I mean, that's a movie weeks, that I would imagine would be a, would have good word of mouth, you know. Especially during this time when everybody's you know catching up on things. It's surprisingly good. It, it is one of those, as we just, you just said, it, it wins the Oscars, does all this shit, and you still kind of think, eh, but then you see it, and you're like, oh, I got to tell people how fucking good this movie is. I, yeah, you're like telling it's people, like, yeah, no shit, I know. Yeah, people are telling you. Uh, let's talk about another horror movie that got a lot of critical acclaim from a couple years ago. This is Hereditary. The director just went to do Midsummer last last summer season. Uh, this is starring Tony Collette of Sixth Sense fame, and much like Sixth Sense, she is now the parent of a child, two children, who are seeing things in a house that may have a malevolent spirit running about. And there's a lot going on in this movie. This is... Uh, I, I didn't enjoy this. I gotta be honest you didn't? with you. I've no, heard nothing here, but good things about this, and I've heard that this is super scary. True or not? Let, let, me, let <laughs> me go here. It's not scary, okay? There mm. are some odd moments in this, but... You start going on Lars Van Trier elements here. You, you know, like I've we're, seen we're Midsummer, getting... so I'm, I know which. Okay, so I haven't seen mean. Midsummer, but mm-hmm. there are moments in here that are artsy for art's sake. There are everything you just kind of said about uncut gems and your issues with that, uh-huh. or my issues with Hereditary. I had heard nothing but great things about this. I had heard Best Actress for Tony Collette. I heard this is the scariest movie in decades. I think she does a great job in this movie, but this is about as confounding as Donnie Darko in a lot of ways. There are a lot of things that are going that don't add up when you think about them after the fact. The movie does have moments in it that are. Um, not scary, but kind of just like 
chilling. There are things in the frame that you might notice that aren't really brought to your attention. So I think that Mm. you could do a deep dive on this movie and start pulling things out and maybe connecting them in the way that people do with uh, The Shining or like I said, Donnie Darko or some of these artsy Uh uh, horror films. But I, I, you know, the gold standard for these artsy horror movies for me is Good Night, Mommy, which I just thought was just a fantastic little film and, and something that was all done with technique and storytelling and acting and just mm-hmm. with, with a lot with very little. And this movie does some things very successful, but on the whole, it just really left me cold. And I didn't much give a shit by the end. I thought it was uh, implausible to say the least, illogical at best, and really a waste of time and a very long, slow journey to get to where we're going on top of it. So like I said, I'm kind of mirroring your uncut gems review with this hereditary review but maybe because it was talked up for so many years now i mean like you said you had heard how much hype was going into this i want you to see it because you're well, a horror aficionado it, i want to i want to see it have you seen the babadook by by chance older no what is that a little bit older one it sounds it's a similar you know uh it's it's uh like a mom and her kid and they it's basically a you know falling into madness Okay, so movie. very similar. So yeah. it's similar to that. It's a movie I did not like, but um, but for the, all the reasons you just said about Hereditary, that's how I felt about that movie. So I wasn't seeing. But I've seen um, uh, his other movies, um, and I would say that it, it's kind of like a, a '90s indie feel to it. You know what I mean? Where things yep, dogma and uncut gems would be a very similar thing to that. Where it's just like shit's kind of happening. You're like, uh, uh, okay, you know, it has a weird, I I don't know how to explain it when you see these movies, but if they feel disjointed and it does something, if you're not lined up correctly with the movie, you know, because I've seen movies like this that I absolutely love. And then you see movies that just are jarring in the way that they, the way that they're structured and they, and they they present that to you. Can I, can I I prove your point here Mm -hmm. to agree with you here uh, is a movie like under the skin is yes. so bizarre, but yet works that is so on good. its own terms oh. and gets literally under your skin in a lot of ways, you know? Whereas this movie is, uh, I, I, a lot of times with with horror movies especially, when these art house directors get in there and they're trying to say so much, I feel like, in the confines of a genre film, but mm-hmm. like not doing a genre film, you know, the, the typical way. That it's almost like when we were in film school and these guys, just because, well, you guys don't get it, you know? Oh, it doesn't make any sense. There's no structure here. There's no beginning, middle, and end. But that is and, the uh, truth. There's no escalation. Well, you don't get it then. I mean, you it's know, it's right. Like, well, we don't get it. I don't get it. That's the point. Well, they like there's some sort of esoteric group that is going to fucking understand it. It's like, no, it just isn't a well, story to well get. told. Is there something to get in some of these movies? I don't know that there is. There's a point. Is there something to get in a David Lynch movie? There's something. It's good for a good question to ask, you know. I don't know. There, there is the that art that is more about what you see in it than what it is actually saying. And I don't typically appreciate that. On a rare occasion, I do something like Under the Skin, like I suggested. Sure. Uh, good night, mommy. Those kind of things. I work like a lot of me. David Lynch stuff too, but yeah. Uh, I like not some. always. Yeah, it doesn't always work for me. for me, you know. Mandy did yeah. not work for me. Um. So there's plenty. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's weird. Weird movies that are weird uh, purposefully are the moving targets. They're so difficult. You think you'd um, you'd like them all if you liked one of them because they're all fucking weird. But it's not, yeah, not the case. 
not the case at all. And some of these leave me really cold. You know, like I said, I was not a Donnie Darko fan, but I like uh, yeah, Southland Tales. You know, so yeah. it's, it, there's, there's no accounting for taste. But I cannot recommend Hereditary. I really can't. Uh, I want to recommend it to you because mm-hmm. I know, like I said, you're an aficionado. I'll see and it anyways. Com- I think it's one of those completist. that I have to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's you, been you talked about really too should. much. Tell me about Hunter Killer, the inf movie starring Gerard Butler that failed at the box office, yet this guy still keeps getting roles. And I, I'm a Gerard Butler fan, but this to me, I, I couldn't bring myself to watch. This Is this Tom Clancy or is this Tom Clancy light? <laughs> yeah, so this is, it's very... Uh, it's very Tom Clancy, but it's like the bad Tom Clancy novel and then the bad adaptation of that bad novel. Mm. Um, I, it, I, this thing is two hours and it, you feel it. Oh, it sloshes through this um, to a degree where we're just you, you, there's just conversations between generals and, and army people. You're just like, fucking shut up. <laughs> like, mm. I got it. This scene is unnecessary. And the way this is set up. Um, Gerard Butler is just not in this movie enough. I, I don't really like the plot to this movie because he's, he's the sub captain guy, but the movie is about the movie's basically one of those, uh, what was a white house down? That's not his one. What's his one? He Olympus has fallen. Olympus, Olympus has, is down. has fallen. The, the has yeah. fallen stuff. This is yeah. one of those, but this time it's the Russian president that needs to be saved. Oh, this sounds bad already. And he's on a fucking sub. So there's all this sub shit going on. Then there's like this team of, of seal guys that go in to to save the, the, uh, the presidents. So there's too much going on and he's stuck in a fucking sub. And it's like, my God, um, it plays like a, you know, nineties movie, which is great. Um, unfortunately it's just, it's too long. You know, there's too much going on. It's too long. If this was half an hour shorter, hour and a half, um, I'd probably be able to recommend it with some caveats there. But at two hours, I find this hard to tell anyone to watch this. I think it's like 2.15, to be honest. And I do. I love Gerard Butler, and I've loved all these other shit movies that he's done. But this one is uh, is particularly rough. I, this really feels like a straight-to-video movie, and like, and that's exactly what it... Remember in the in the, the mid-2000s, they had those, you know, those Wesley Snipes movies, those Cuba Gooding Jr. movies? Um, yeah. Those Steven Seagal movies that were clearly aimed... At that middle to older age male group, um, th- that's exactly what this is. This looks like something that would have been like a CBS movie of the week or a miniseries on CBS in the mid '90s or something like that. You know, based on the hit I novel. Know. I mean, I couldn't imagine channel surfing and coming into this at certain points and and <laughs> holding any interest for more than five seconds. Sub movies are tricky. Mm. I'm not the biggest fan of the, the submarine October. It's not really the problems with this though. It's uh, and that's not true. The beginning is a fucking problem with the sub stuff because it's just nonsense. But it, the Gerard Butler stuff is fine. There's just too much other shit going on. You know, I mean, Gary Oldman is with uh, um, oh god, what's her face? Uh, whatever, who cares? <laughs> the fucking girl that's in this, I can't remember her uh, name. What movie now. is she? Give me another movie. Oh, where's she, she from? Uh, she plays uh, Vilma in Scooby Doo movies. That's not gonna help, probably. Oh, jeez, that's that's a fucking inside baseball. <laughs> that's reference not an inside there. baseball reference. Um, uh, oh my god, this is a problem with oh, being she's... visual. I just have visual things. It's um, okay. So you got Vilma, 
and you got Dracula. No, I mean you know who against who Leonidas. She is. Uh, you're not I'm, talking I'm fine about with this. I'm searching. I'm searching right now because now. I mean, how many Velmas have there uh, been? Linda Cardellini. Few, right? There we go. Oh, there you go, Cardellini. So Linda Cardellini, and uh, uh, you know, I forgot. Gary, Gary, Oldman? Gary Oldman. Thank you. Are in this? Uh, oh, and Common. Don't, let's not forget Common. Um, they're in this group. They're like back at headquarters, right? And it's like the war room or whatever that they're in. So we go. We got to go back to them every once in a while. Then they'd have to go talk to the 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 female president because. There are at this point there always has to be a female president if she's not playing an important role in the movie, but she's just there. <laughs> I swear to God, right? For all these action movies, there's always like, is she like a main character who's really going to be important? No, okay, she can be female. It's okay. We'll, we'll show people that we we're still we're woke <laughs> enough. True. You know, it's like okay, yeah, fine. But that shit's all just a waste of time. I mean, seriously, it's like you know, it's like. They're trying to pull off some like uh, NASA, like Apollo, you know, thirteen type shit here with these guys back in the war room trying to figure out what's going on. They're like, "We're gonna figure out what's going on." You're like, "You're fucking useless. You're not doing anything. <laughs> You're just wasting my time talking about trying to figure shit out. You've done nothing. You have army guys out there. We're watching them, and then we have people on the sub. We're watching them. You're fucking not even talking to anybody. I don't know. It's too much. Too long. That's that's." My my final verdict. Too not wrong. Reco- not recommending this one, huh? No. No. Not I a good one. So. <clears throat> that doesn't surprise me. I mean, Gerard Butler has been associated with uh, with some shit movies, but it sounds like he's not the problem. But how can Geostorm movie. be so good? Geostorm is amazing in the fact that it holds <laughs> together a second viewing. On it's top called of it. Geostorm. It's how so, is it so good? I mean, I mean movies like not, the but core it is. art. No, yeah, the no, core it's, fucking yeah, sucks. But, but yeah. even gamer sucks. But the Geostorm yeah, is sucks so too, but watchable. Geostorm, I like Geo. I prefer Geostorm over San Andreas. I, I I don't know why. Wow, I would probably agree with you on that. And I'm going to take it a step further. I probably <laughs> prefer Geostorm over the Day After Tomorrow. Oh, easily. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm not a Day After Tomorrow fan, so that's fine. I with didn't me. like it. I didn't like it when it came out at all. All right, so recapping on the show tonight, Bloodshot. Neither of us recommend that. Is that correct? Uh, I I think Geostorm is better than Bloodshot. I would agree with you. <laughs> Birds of Prey, I say uh, skip it. You say check it out. Um, I like uh, it. If you like the yeah. Harley Quinn stuff and you liked Suicide Squad and you like that, it falls perfectly in line with those. But um, I don't think you miss anything by skipping it. You know, it's kind of like Captain Marvel, right? In that sense, if you really like Marvel movies, eh, it's a Marvel movie. Go see it. But uh, there's no need to see it. Yeah, it's not essential on any level to the canon. Uh, Bad Boys 3 we both recommend. We both uh, had a good time at this flick and think it's a worthy addition to the franchise. Yep. La- last Christmas, I think, is one of the worst movies of last year, if not the worst so far. Yeah, sure. And you say I am being overly critical and you found moments of uh, joy in the simplicity of the story, correct? Eh, I mean, I'm fine with you listing it as one of the worst movies. I just, I'm just not gonna take a, I'm not gonna waste a slot on that movie. It wasn't that, okay. you know. I don't know. It didn't hurt me that much, but I understand. By all means, put it on the damn list. <laughs> uh, we both are uh, recommending Countdown for the entertaining, energetic style and uh, good execution that it presented. Uh, although we both, you know, obviously 
realize that it is not a world beater right. by any chance. Geostorm's better than all these, still. Uh, Uncut Gems, I think, is one of the best movies of last year, and you were yeah. really put off um, by everything about this movie and thought it was fairly forgettable. Uh, Hunter Killer, you are saying skip. It is not worth. It's a little bit too long and too overcrowded with plot. And I am saying pass on Hereditary because it has been overblown and I think it is all for naught in the end. Kind of like I'm just mirroring your Uncut Gems uh, argument really with this movie and the fact that uh, too much hype, like we always say, it's plus... With Hereditary, I kept hearing that it was just the scariest thing. When somebody says it's the scariest thing, uh, and I don't, you know, you expect we it have to be a knowledge scary. <laughs> of filmmaking too, so I can always take myself out of it. But if I can't take myself out of it, if I'm too caught up in what's going on, then I'm along for the ride. And this movie mm-hmm. never, ever got that going. It's really disappointing. Well, it sounds like it sense. has that high art aspect to it too, which is uh, can be really annoying. Yeah, I, that's why I really want you to see it because. Um, I mean, you know, I want you to watch you know uh, the other one, the, the midsummer? midsummer. Yeah, yeah, that's on that's on the tap for this uh, this week. So I'll get back to you on that because um, although now that I've seen this, I thought I would be more excited to watch Midsummer when I saw Hereditary. Uh, now I'm afraid I got a two and a half hour slog through. Well, I don't know. Season. I yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to see mid. Or I want to see Hereditary now to know which one of these is better because they both have the same uh, amount of people saying that they're good. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, they're both highly rated. Yeah, so I, now I want to see which one's better, and because um, I, I feel like someone's wrong. Either Hereditary sucks, or Midsummer sucks. I don't know which one. I guess I haven't seen them both. I mean, horror films are, horror is a strange genre in that it is dictated by the continent it comes from, right? Like you have your Asian horror, which is very extreme. Um, American horror, which is fairly streamlined, and then um, European horror, which is so uh, can be so eclectic. I, I think that's even more so than action I mean, films I guess or taste, comedies. Um, sure, taste uh, change. I think with horror movies, though, I mean, obviously you have the gore stuff, but gore works into everything. I mean, you have gore, you have high art, right? You have. Um, uh, you have your possession movies, nonsense, all whatever. that kind of stuff. Uh, we well, have like your countdowns; those exist everywhere. Um, yeah. So yeah, but you're right. There are certain preferences, I guess, in regions and whatnot. But there, it's all the same fucking movies. It's all the same shit, right? If you love, you have people who are just gore hounds who just love gore, gore anything, and they'll watch some of the some of the worst shit you've ever seen, but it has gore in it. And it's not even good. It's not realistic gore. It's just gore. So I don't know. It's a weird. It's a genre. I'm glad we moved past that torture porn era. That was not my favorite. The Hostel, Saw, Captive Mm -hmm. uh, movies. Um, Well, it'll come back around. Yeah, I think it might. I think uh, when we go get through what we got, all the horrors uh, in the real world, I think that um, people will start watching horror movies again, and we're going to get real real gory horror films. (laughs) Because nothing's (laughs) as scary as real life right now, that's for sure. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 359, the quarantine special. This is the second episode we've recorded during this quarantine. Well, we've got a slew of new episodes coming at you, retrospectives, 
for a bunch of films. Stay with us. Also, check out our YouTube channel. Got a lot of exclusive content over there. We got Remembering the Summer series that is exclusive to the YouTube channel. It's not behind a paywall. You can watch it, listen to it for free. Check that out, as well as our back catalog on TalkShoe, MovieMavericks.com, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever else you may be getting this podcast. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! Engage!